Okay, as you know, the shear is dedicated by Bati and Eddie Jacobs in memory of Dr. Charles Chuck Feldman Zalz, Eternal Libra. And I've mentioned him before. He was a very exceptional person. I feel a little uh, nervous about saying anything about him because his son is sitting here. So I know I won't get it perfectly right. But everybody who knew him... Um, I have an extremely high opinion of him. It's not often that you could say that about most people. So this year is not going to be on Parashat HaShavuah, but it's going to be on Shavuos. Shavuos, as you know, is on Sunday. Fortunately, in Israel, Shavuos is a two-day holiday. Just try to imagine how it is in Chutzlah as a three-day holiday. You know, you'd have to... It's enough to drive you crazy. In any event... Moshe Rabbeinu told the story of Matan Torah in the book of Dvarim. He tells the story over again. And Moshe Rabbeinu, after he tells the story of Matan Torah, after he tells us the Aserat that they wrote, then this pasuk appears. You see the pasuk? Et ha-dvarim ha-elu diber Hashem et kol kahalchem bahar mitoch ha-eish anan varafel Now, we know all of that. There was Aish and there was Anan and there was Arafel. So that's not what catches us in the Pasuk. But this Pasuk in Dvarim that is said by Moshe Rabbeinu is different. It adds something that we hadn't heard before. And that is Kol Gadol Velo Yasaf. Kol Gadol, a big sound. Lo Yasaf, there's nothing extra. I mean, really, I shouldn't say that. Because we'll see that the word yasaf is a word that is interpreted in different ways. So if you look, kol gadol yasaf, kol gadol yasaf means, according to Unculus, what was see Rashi for? See Rashi says, bitagaminan velo pasak. Bitagaminan means Unculus. Velo pasak means the call of, of Har Sinai just goes on forever. Just goes on forever. So if you look at the Ukulus next to it, right, so you have all these Aramaic words. In the second line, Kalrav, Velopasik. That's what Rashi is talking about. There was this tremendous voice on Har Sinai, this tremendous sound on Har Sinai. Velopasak. It didn't stop. What do you mean it didn't stop? Do you hear it? <laughs> Do you hear it? I guess you don't hear it. So I guess it's not. But the Pasuk says, low, Basak. Rashi says, Velo Pasak, Ki Kolo Chazak Bikayam Laolam. So of course, you know, you could claim that Rashi's a metaphor sometimes, not Kol or the impression. But that's what Rashi says. Kol Chazak. The Kayam Olam, Tabarachir, Rashi quotes another interpretation. Velo Yasat Lo Osif Laharot Baoto Pumbi. Lo Osif Laharot Baoto Pumbi. It seems like the two interpretations are contrary. The first interpretation is that the coal that existed at Harsinai goes on. Forever and ever. And the second interpretation is that the call on Har Sinai, Lo Yasat Lo Husif Pumbi. You didn't. It wasn't in public. It wasn't somehow in public. So without getting into the, you know, we could study the Devaracher, what Rashi means when he gives two interpretations. But let's just look at this pasuk. This pasuk, Rashi says, Lo Yasaf has two interpretations. One is the voice goes on forever, and the other is, the voice doesn't go on forever. And this seems to be a little difficult. I mean, how are we supposed to absorb that? Two contrary interpretations. In order to do that, I want to introduce, first of all, the, uh, you know that on Shavuot, there are two minhagim. There are two minhagim on Shavuot, about what you're supposed to learn. You know, like... uh, there's something called the Tikkun. You know, the Tikkun Leil Shavuot. The Tikkun Leil Shavuot is something that uh, goes back to the Arizal. 
I mean, I don't know if he did it, but it goes back to the Arizal. You know, it's not exactly the same thing. When you give the Arizal credit, you're not sure exactly if what he did himself. But the Arizal is credited with the Tikkun Lel Shavuot. The Tikkun Lel Shavuot is a book that leads you through Torah Shebichtav. It leads you first through the Chumash and then the Tanakh and then some of the Mishnah. It, in other words, you kind of, uh, like, what is it you're going to do on the night of Shavuot? You're going to get a hold of what's called Torah. And you're going to learn it. The whole Torah. Just like B'nai Yisrael was standing at Har Sinai. And they received all of whatever it was that they received. And that's called the Tikkun Lev Shavuot. And this is something that... Uh, you know, the older fellows in synagogues around the world think it's like what you really should do. Svaradim, uh, in, 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 in Svaradish Yishul's Nusach Svarad, or, or in Eidota Mizrach, they like to say the Tikkun. Yeshiva guys, and, you know, associates yeshiva guys, are more into learning. I'm going to learning. So learning is divided into two parts, as you know. The people who learn and look at a Gemara and think that that's learning. And then there are people who go to a shir. People go to a shir. Very popular today to go to a shir. It's even advertised. You know, you get the newspaper and they advertise shiurim for leil. There's a competition, even, you know, like who has the most interesting shiurim, who has the most exciting uh, lecturers. You know, it's like uh, uh, leil shavuot. Lel Shavuot became um, uh, an educational platform so that the topics in the shiurim become very, very odd sometimes. And they don't seem to have that much to do with Torah learning as they might have to do with the state of those who learn Torah, right? So like if somebody would give a shir on whether you should go to the army or you shouldn't go to the army, that could also go on Shavuot on the night of, of Shavuot. But let's take these two groups, the people who learn the Tikkun and the people who learn Gemara. Right? They're two, like these two groups of people. So the people who learn Tikkun, the Tikkun, we understand what they're doing. They say, the Torah was received on the night of Shavuot, so we're going to like, learn the Torah that was received. Now what is it that the people who learn Gemara are doing? I mean, after all, they don't think that Moshe Rabbeinu came down from Har Sinai, gathered together all the people and started learning Brachot or the Daf Yomi. I mean, so what was it, what is it that they are doing? So in order to answer that question, and therefore to see the point of all of this, we're going to learn a few sources together. So there's, uh, all these sources are very well known, even famous, I would say. There's a Gevara in Tumura, Daf Tetzai and Omer Aleph. Omer Yud You see, you see the, the source? This is a story. Moshe Rabbeinu is dying. And he's on his way to Gan Eden. He said to Yoshua, He said to him, This is like I'm dying. Ask me all the questions you have. Just make a list of all the questions, I'll answer them. And then you won't have any, any doubt about anything. Oh my Lord. Rabbi, did I let you uh, leave you alone for a moment? Did I ever go anyplace else? Didn't you yourself write in the Torah? What did Yoshua say to Moshe Rabbeinu? He said, Moshe, why do you think I have Sveikot? Well, what is it? I know everything because I'm standing next to you. You know everything. I listen to everything you say. And since I listen to everything you say, why, why do you think, Moshe Rabbeinu, that I have doubts about halachic matters? So he says, uh, he says, Miyad Tashash Yoshua. This was like a kind of chutzpah. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Yoshua, ask me a question. Yeshua says to, to, to Moshe Rabbeinu, I don't have any questions. I'm with you. Like, whatever you know, I know. I mean, this kind of, so, Yeshua, Yeshua got weak. The number, the different versions. But he forgot a lot of halachot. 
And Yoshua Binun suddenly was living in the world of Safek. He didn't know. Kosher, not kosher, Tome, Tohor, Mutar, Osur. Suddenly Yoshua was confused. Rabdu Kol Yisrael This is like, the, like, like a Gemara. And the Gemara says that B'nai Yisrael blamed Yoshua for the fact that they'd entered into, they entered into a world of safek, of doubt. He says, Vabdu Kol Yisrael Hargo. Amalo HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I can't answer the questions as I did in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. Lech v'tordan b'milchama. Just go. Reminds me of Israel, of the state of Israel. Go and tell them that there's get them out into a war. Because if they go to war, they won't be able to think about how miserable the situation is, right? That's what war, war is good for that. War is economically, socially beneficial, right? It makes everybody a patriot. Uh, you eat lunch in the, in the company mess, you know, it's like not, nothing is a problem if you're in the army. Well, maybe everything is a problem. What? Uh, well, I guess I guess so. That's not the idea today. The idea of war is not to fight. You just stand there. So you're gonna go to you're gonna go to capture the the Yericho. There's a further source. Another Tanaitic source, Elef Ushvama Ot Kalin Bachamuri Mukzerot Shabot Ritikdukesotib, Nishtakhu Biyame Evloshel Moshe, but the same idea from Moshe to Yoshua. What happened to us? We went from the state of knowledge, of perfect knowledge, to a state of safek, of doubt. And you know that when Yitro came to Moshe Rabbeinu and said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't keep doing this. You can't just keep judging the people all day and all night and expect and expect to live. Right? The Voltibo, Yitro said to Moshe Rabbeinu. So the question, of course, is how come Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't figure that out himself? Moshe Rabbeinu understood that he was standing there judging the people all day long and answering Shilas and he wouldn't be able to physically maintain. What was it that Moshe Rabbeinu, what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't understand? Well, the answer is that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Yitro, he said, listen Yitro, I know that you're right. I know that you need a system of courts. But listen, Yitro, listen, you have to understand that when the people come to me, they get a perfect answer. They get God's answer. If I would give this over to others, then the level of the answer would go down. And that's not what the people want. What did Yitro say? He says, Navoti both, you're, you're causing, not you personally, you're destroying the nation of Israel. How are you destroying the nation of Israel? How is Moshe Rabbeinu destroying the nation of Israel? Because he's going to die. I mean, the actual yeah, there has to be another option except for Moshe Rabbeinu. So if you don't establish that other option, what will happen when you die? So this is what happened when Moshe Rabbeinu died. Okay, there are different, there are different uh, 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 traditions about it, but the idea is all the same. The idea is that when Moshe Rabbeinu died, people had sveikot, that doubt. And there was no one who could resolve the doubt in the way that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to resolve the doubt. So, Now what's pilpul? There are two answers to that question. The first answer is, I don't know. And the second answer is, I figure if I told you that I don't know, I cannot tell you anything I want. Right, so pilpul is the ability to reconstruct the halacha. That's what the Brita is talking about. And that's what the Rambam 
thought when he wrote the Yad HaZakah. He thought that he should reconstruct the Halakha. It's true that the Gemara, everything's a Makhloka, everything. But the Rambam thought that if you look carefully at the Gemara, very carefully at the Gemara, you would be able to reconstruct the correct opinion and reject the unnecessary opinion. That's what the Rambam thought. But uh, uh, that's the... That ben Kenaz, the tradition, Kiyat Sefer Otniel ben Kenaz, was able to reconstruct the Halachot that had fallen into disuse or had become Sveikot. So, according to the Gemara, there was a problem and Otniel ben Kenaz saved us. He saved that problem. He saved us from that problem. Now look, another tradition. Another tradition in the Gevarim Menachot, also very well known, Omar Avyudom Arav and Moraim in Babel, Bisha'ash Allah Moshe Lamarom, Mitzahola Kodesh Bokh, Shiosheh, Koshek, Tarim, Lotiot. You know that the, that the letters, the Alephet, as it's written in the Sefer Torah, certain letters have Tarim on them, crowns. Tarim are usually like three prongs going up from that letter. Right? Not on every letter and not in every occurrence of, of the letters that have crowns, but there are crowns. What are the crowns for? Nobody knows. But listen to the Gemara. The Gemara says, putting Karim, tying crowns, on certain letters. Sounds like it means, why didn't you just tell me? What are you putting crowns on the, on the letters? I mean, it's got to mean something. So tell me what it means. Why do you have to make a, a, a remez? Why do you have to make a remez? Why do you have to make hints? about the crowns. So he says, Okay, Rabbi Akiva, we talked about Rabbi Akiva, you know, Lagba Omer, Rabbi Akiva, Bar Kokhba. The Gemara says that Rabbi Akiva was able to reconstitute Torah after the marriage of Bar Kokhba and after the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva died, which sounds like the decimation of Torah. And then he was able to rebuild the Torah by getting five new students who were then able to spread the Torah, amongst them Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai, right, Rabbi Meir, sort of like the one, the great expert on Nigla, and Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai was the great expert on Kabbalah. And somehow Torah was reinstituted, so that even though, even though, I mean, it's interesting, I mean, you know, you have to go see the movie. I mean, only, you have to see the movie. Some things you have to see the movie. I don't know if there is a movie. But Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva was so wrong about Bar Kokhba, and, uh, and you know the Bakofa rebellion ended in, in, in such an awful uh, in such an awful way with tens and hundreds of thousands of Jews being killed by the Romans. And yet that same Rabbi Akiva, the same Rabbi Akiva who insisted that Bakofa was the Messiah, Hebrew Mashiach, but the same Bakoch, the same Rabbi Akiva was able to reconstitute the Torah. So if he was able to reconstitute the Torah, it wasn't just because he was a good administrator, but because his knowledge of Torah was considered to be itself miraculous. He knew Torah better than anybody else. He knew Torah in a way that enabled him to reestablish the Torah even after the Bar Kokhba revolution. And so... The Gevara says, there's a man who in the future, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you imagine, HaKadosh Baruch gave the Torah, I mean, I mean, it's not the movie, I'm just saying, 
that a Kodesh Baruch gave the Torah to B'nai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu. Who knew the Torah better than anybody else in the world? Moshe Rabbeinu. The Rambam explains that in order to be the conveyor of Torah, you had to be able to absorb the entire Torah. You had to be able to, to know it. And only Moshe Rabbeinu had that ability. Only Moshe Rabbeinu. And, 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 and the Rabbah doesn't talk about, the, about Rabbi Akiva in that way. But we see that the Gemara says, you know, whatever you say about Moshe Rabbeinu, Rabbi Akiva was greater. Why was Rabbi Akiva greater? What, what was greater about him? He knew about the crowns in the letters. And in a confrontation between Moshe Rabbeinu and Rabbi Akiva, in a confrontation, Moshe Rabbeinu was a he says, wow, here, look at Rabbi Akiva, and look at what he knows of it. It's hard for us to even picture it. He says, says, Let me see this person. Moshe Rabbeinu sat down in the yeshiva, the Sanhedrin, he sat down where they were learning Torah and he couldn't understand what people were saying. Because there was people saying, he said like a rabbi Barava would come to my uh, so he wouldn't under, they wouldn't understand what I was talking about. I don't mean it's a great foot for me, I mean just saying that. That's what happens, but here Moshe Rabbeinu is in a yeshiva and he doesn't understand what they're talking about, according to the According to the Gemara, Tashash Kotro, Kevin Shehigia Ledavar Echad Abulo Talmidav, Rabbi Minayin Lecho, Amalahen, Halachal Moshev Bisinai, Nidyashvad Dato. Chazar Ubalif Nea Kurishboch, Moshe Abedu came to a Kurishboch, Ubalif Anav, Ribono Shalolam, Yeshlecha Adam Kazeh. He says, Where's Moshe Rabbeinu? In the Gemara. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, somebody wrote the script. I mean, I don't know who said what, but imagine the Gemara saying this, that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Kodesh Baruch Why, why me? You have Rabbi Akiva. Let him bring the Torah to B'nai Israel because you'll get all the interpretations of all those crowns. What do you need me for? It's like the famous, uh, all the Hasidim, the great Hasidim Shirebeim write, uh, write about this. HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Shtok, keep quiet. This is what I thought should be done. Meaning, it's beyond your ken. You can't understand. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, can't understand why you, Moshe Rabbeinu, brought the Torah into the world and not Rabbi Akiva. But that's the way it should be. And therefore, from the Gemara you see, you see from both of these Gemaras, you see these Gemaras that, 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 what do I say? Like, what's the, what is Torah? You say, we want to keep the Torah. What do we want to do? We want to do what God wants us to do. We want to keep the Torah. So the Rambam says, The Rambam says that every day, you know, in the Yud Gimel, the Yud Gimel Karim, you know, the Yud Gimel Karim, the Ani some people call them Ani which are like really a shortened form of the introduction of the Rambam to Perak in the Mishnayot, where he talks about the essentials of Judaism. You know, today it's a popular topic. Somebody wrote a book called Do You Have to Believe in Anything? What he meant was, do you have to believe in any of this stuff that the Rambam said? Not do you have to believe in anything. But that's what he called the book. I hope it was good for sales. So now it's here, the Rambam says. The Rambam says, Anima min ben muna shleimo. The Rambam. The Rambam, Ani Ma'amim Ve'admun HaShleimo, Shinevuat Moshe Rabbeinu Allah V'Shalom Ha'ita Amitit. True, everything the Rambam says, said every, everything that Moshe Rabbeinu said is true. 
And then the Rambam says in in Chet, Ani ma'amim ve'munah shleimu shekol ha'torah mitzuya ata biyadeinu, hi anitunam mirosh ha'abeinu olav ha'shalom. Do you imagine that? Let me say it again. I believe that the Torah as we have it today, published by Feldheim, published by Art Scroll, published by, by uh, not so Art Scroll, I mean, well, it's, it's, it, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu got that Torah exactly the way we have it. You believe that? Can you believe that? Didn't, doesn't the, the uh, don't we know that Ezra had to fix things up, the things were, have a good night. But Ezra had to fix things up in the Torah. Don't we know that there's a Kriyuchtiv here and there in the Torah, someplace? There was a Kriyuchtiv when the Kodesh Mokhu gave the Torah to Moshe Rabbeinu. Again, answer, I don't know. I don't know, but I, it doesn't make sense to me that, it would, that that's the way the Torah would be. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of things in the Torah that don't seem to be original. But they seem to be like after the fact. So if they're after the fact... Then how can the Rambam, how can the Rambam say it? How can the Rambam say that everything in the Torah is exactly as Moshe Rabbeinu received it? Oh, that's like a question. I mean, you think the Rambam didn't know anything about history, anything about copyists, anything about difficulties? I don't, I think he must have known. And yet, and yet he insists that the Torah that we have is the Torah that we received. And while it is true, it is true. I'm going to say something now that's true. That if you go to any place, any synagogue in Afghanistan, Afghanistan, you've heard of that country, and you take out a Sefer Torah, it's going to be exactly the same as the Sefer Torah that you take out here in the Beit Knesset, the Ramban, which is an amazing achievement. If you take your Korain Tanakh, Korain Tanakh, <laughs> Korain Korean Tanakh, in the back of the Korean Tanakh, there's a list of changes, mistakes, or, or, or changes in the, in the Tanakh. And in the Torah, there are two such things that differentiate the Torah scroll, which we call Ashkenazi, and Eidotah Mizrach. And they're trivial. So that the ability that we had from the 9th century and on, 9th century when the Baalei HaMasora came into the world, for the 9th century and I to copy the Torah accurately is absolutely remarkable. It's actually remarkable because everybody knows that if you want to type, if you type or you have a computer and you want to put in a, uh, like a page, you type a page of text, what are the chances that you won't make a mistake? Zero. What are the chances that you'll make several mistakes? outstanding. And why is it that people love word, word processing? Because you can fix the mistakes. It's very easy to fix your mistakes. So that's a great thing, but it, there's no way to stop mistakes. One of the great uh, uh, attempts at, uh, at stopping mistakes in copying and in printing was the Bocher Hazetzer. Hazetzer, as you know, like they used to have type. There used to be something called type. You take a letter and put it into a frame. And then eventually you print it. Right? And I know I'm, I'm talking about something that should be in a museum. or It probably is a museum. Then they had linotype machines. But you take the idea is you take a piece of type, you put it into a frame, and then you put a lot of them together, you get a sentence. And then you print it, you put ink on it, and you print it on a piece of paper. Right? In Yiddish there's a, a name for the person who does that. Taichi. What? Tai Chi is like uh, karate for... Uh, a Tai Chi is translation. The Yiddish word is Zetzer. And the person who did this is called the Bocher HaZetzer. Now what was the defining characteristic of a Bocher HaZetzer? He didn't know how to read. He didn't know how to read. He could only recognize the letters because they discovered that the accuracy of the guy who doesn't know how to read 
I just built out and recognize that the letters is much higher than the person who says read because in your head when you read words together you automatically finish the sentence finish the idea finish the word right you're, but if you don't know how to read you don't do that so that the Talmud when they printed the Talmud they had to find people in that category you imagine the Talmud you can't imagine if it's take, try to see how what it took to print a page in those days, how much effort, and, uh, and, and to get it the way they got it, you know, like every page, the Rashi and the Tosas goes along with the Gemara. It's, it's not like today, where you just write things in your computer, you press a button, and the button puts it in columns, or it puts it one on top of the other, or one along. It wasn't like that. Somebody had to do it with their eyes. They had to say, oh, you know, five more lines of Gemara is just exactly what we need to get five more lines of the Rashi and five more lines of the Tosus. So the Rambam says, because the Rambam knew, I think, I'm not telling you, I mean, I don't, uh, the Rambam knew that the authenticity of the Torah itself could not be called into question. Because if there was a mistake in the Torah, one mistake, any place, then there's no reason to think that something else is not also a mistake. Right? In other words, it's other, other. Other, other, that's Yiddish, right? What does other, other mean? Either, or. It's either, either it's perfect, or it's not perfect. Nothing, nothing in between. Even though the Ibn Ezra thought that you could have a few imperfections, but the Rambam didn't think so. The Rambam said that the Torah is perfect. So what did the Rambam do about this? What did the Rambam do about Yoshua bin Nun who couldn't figure out what the halacha is? What did the Rambam do about Moshe Rabbeinu who said, wow, uh, uh, Rabbi Akiva, he's really something special. So there are, are uh, several answers to the question that we're interested in. And the first is the answer of the Orachayim because the Orachayim is representative of a class of answers, which other Mephoshim all said, that's at the bottom of the first page. So the Pasuk gives Bim Be'inava Amar HaNetek, V'seashachot Samachbon, Nefa HaNetek, Kahohu B'tiyarok, So the Kohen is in charge of the Tzara'at, the Mitzorah. The Kohen is in charge of determining whether the Mitzorah can go back into the community or not. So now the Orachayim says this, I know that there's some sort of problem that I'd like to help out. That Moshe Rabbeinu really knew all of the Torah, meaning the Torah, the received Torah, and the Torah all the chidushim. Now, what's a chidush? What's a chidush? We'll get to it. But, but in other words, he's, he, the Archive thinks you, everybody knows what a chidush is. A chidush is something that the Talmidim atidim lechadesh. What is that? Vamru b'makom acher. Ki Rabbi Akiva yadoresh. Ma shelo yada Moshe. So we can look at that. If you turn the page, see Bamidbar Rabbah at the bottom. You know about the Paraduma? Paraduma is a chok. What is a chok? We don't understand it. So when we say that we don't understand it, I don't think we mean that God doesn't understand it. It was God told us to keep this mitzvah called paraduma. I guess God understood it. What does the Medrash say? Omer Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Chanino, Amalo, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, L'Moshe. Lecha ani migale ta'am para. Avalacher huka. You, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to tell you why the para aduma is as it is. But for everybody else, it's a chok. Domar avhuna ktiv ki ekach mo'ed 
אני מישרים אשפוט, כי אקח מועד, מועד איזה חג, according to Rashi, מישרים אשפוט, I will judge properly, וכתיב, והיה ביום ההוא לא יהיה אור יקרות וקיפאון. יקיפאון כתיב, right, there's a problem with the vav and the yud, דברים המכוסים מכם בעולם הזה, עתידים להיות סופים לעולם הבא. So somehow these psukim indicate that there's hidden material which will become revealed in the future. That's paraduma. Paraduma, we don't know what it means, but we will know what it means. Kehadein samya ditzafi. Samya is a blind person who then sees the khtiv. V'olach v'yivrim baderech lo yada'u. Ukhtiv, this possibly in Yishayahu, which the Orchai is referring to, אלה הדברים הסיתים ולא הזבתים, אעשה אין כתיב כאן, אתה יודע זה אעשה, הדברים אעשה, אלה הסיתים שכבר עשיתי אותם לרבי עקיבא חבריו, דברים שלא נגלו למשה, נגלו לרבי עקיבא חבריו, אצטרה. So you see another source that says that, the, that רבי עקיבא represents Rabbi Akiva represents new information, new knowledge, new understanding, just like Otniel ben Kenaz, and then before him, and Rabbi Akiva. And that's what the, that's what the, uh, the Orachayim says. Let's go back to the Orachayim. The second wide line in the Orachayim. He says, V'nireh, ki yishuv ha-mamarim hu. Yishuv ha-mamarim hu. The way to understand these different Statements. One that says that Moshe Rabbeinu knew everything, and the other one that says Moshe Rabbeinu didn't know what Rabbi Akiva knew. He says, "Kihein emet shekol dvar Torah demal leMoshe, vein chacham yachol adat yoter mimashi adam Moshe, v'agam shetitzarev kol dorot Yisrael miyom atan Torah ad shetimalei haaretz deya." אין חידוש שלא ידעו משה. Here's the Orachai. Rechem slides straight and everything out. So he says, listen, Moshe Rabbeinu knew everything. He knew the Torah that he received. He knew the Torah that's going to be learned. He knew everything. Everything perfectly. ואין חכם יכול לדעת יותר ממה שידע משה Rabbeinu. Not even Rabbi Akiva. והגם שתצרף כל הדורות ישראל ביום מתן תורה עד שתמלא הארץ דעה, אין חידוש שלא ידעו משה, אבל ההפרש הוא, ההפרש הוא, what's the difference of Moshe Rabbeinu, when people came after Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, הפרש הוא כי משה נתן לו השם תורה שבכתב ותורה שבעל פה, והנה האדון ברוך הוא בחוכמתו יתברך רשם בתורה שבכתב כל תורה שבעל פה שאמר למשה ולא הודיע למשה כל מה שנתן לו בעל פה היכן הוא רמוז בתורה שבכתב וזוהי עבודת בני ישראל. So anybody who's ever learned Gemara, which I assume is everybody, anybody who's ever learned Gemara knows that the Gemara spends an inordinate amount of its time and energy answering the question money. or menale, or menahane mile, all of which, those questions are all answered in exactly the same way in the Gemara, which is, it's a posuk. It's a posuk. So what was it that Moshe Rabbeinu may not have known according to the Orchai? What did he know? He didn't know how to put the Torah Shabal Peh. God didn't teach Moshe Rabbeinu how to put the Torah Shabal Peh into the posuk. It was, it was not an issue at the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. It wasn't an issue for people to say, well, where, does the Torah say that? You know, you hear that very often in conversation. It's like a, uh, uh, you mean, you mean that we really have to do that? Like the Torah says that? You know, it's like people say that. What? Really? I can't, I mamish can't believe it. What's, what's modern orthodox? <laughs> anyway, you understand what the Orachai is. making it up. But that doesn't mean that it's not a, that it doesn't have any appeal. It was the Orachai says. Moshe Rabbeinu received the Torah. What does that mean? Everything. 
He learned everything. So if God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, doesn't get Malchus. God said to Moshe Rabbeinu that if you do, if you transgress a law which doesn't imply, which, and you could do it without doing any Maaseh, like the law of Lota Nebere You're not allowed to tell a lie in court. Right? But talking is not called a Maaseh. So the Gemara says, You don't get a punishment of, of Malkot. Right? So, God said to Moshe Rabbeinu, So Moshe Rabbeinu said, okay. You know, like Moshe Rabbeinu was not the, didn't need the discussion. What, the, what, what difference did it make to him? But later on, later on it became necessary. It for historical reasons, and sociological reasons, economic reasons, whatever kind of reasons you like, or religious reasons, conflict between religions. Because everybody... At the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, for example, the Christians and the Muslims were very much into authenticity. Right? And the Muslims especially understood that, you know, about, they were into authenticity. They felt that they were very authentic and that the Koran was very authentic and the language of the Koran was very authentic. And, and, and therefore this idea that Torah was not also authentic because there was this tremendous Torah Shavalpeh and it wasn't hung on anything. So from the time of Chazal, going back from the Rambam, back to Chazal, this idea of hanging a well-known halacha on a posuk became a desideradum, which means it was important. It was important. So if you look at the Mishnah, if you look at the Mishnah, the Mishnah doesn't usually tell you where it comes from. It's true that there's also a medrash, but that's a, let's make believe there isn't. The Mishnah doesn't usually tell us what the source of the halacha is. But the Gemara is obsessed by that. The Gemara is obsessed with that. So the look comes the Archaim. And the Archaim says, you don't understand. Moshe Rabbeinu knew everything. But he wasn't interested in proving that the Torah Shemalpeh was connected to Torah Shemalpeh. Why wasn't he interested? Why wasn't he interested? Because he knew it was true. I mean, what, 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 what do you have to prove anything for? Moshe Rabbeinu is Har Sinai. HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, here's the Chumash. And here's the Torah Shalpeh, the Chumash. So Moshe Rabbeinu is going to say, wait a second, uh, let's see if we can put these pieces together. It was unnecessary. It's only in history that it became necessary to validate the Torah Shalpeh by putting it into the Torah Shalpeh. So that's what the Chachomim did. They did that. You know who says that also besides the Orachim Kadosh, the Rajabam, in his introduction to his Kairush Allah Torah, which for some odd reason is found in the parish of Ayesha. I'm sure somebody knows the reason, but I don't. Right? What? Know the reason? Why is it in Vayesha? He doesn't know why it's in Vayesha. So, so, so this, this point, this point according to the Orachim, helps me to understand helps me to understand that Moshe Rabbeinu could have received the entire Torah but there are Chidushim there are novel things that come up from time to time and that novel thing is Mane Mene how do you figure it connects to the Pesach and which Pesach to connect to etc but before we finish this discussion I want to mention a chapter of the Nefesh Achaim. Right? I think I mentioned before, I mentioned the Nefesh Achaim. Nefesh Achaim was written by Rav Chaim Velozhener and it's sort of the ideological underpinning of the yeshiva world. He doesn't talk about going to the army or not going to the army, but it's the ideal. This idea, this idea, you understand, yeshivas, you know that in yeshivas, it's not just, not just that they don't teach you anything practical. They don't even teach you halacha in yeshivas. I'm going to say that again. Yeshivas, they don't teach you things that you could convert into a job, even in the world of religion. It's not that they don't want you to get a job, or they don't want you to learn something which would help you to get a job. They don't want you to learn anything that is practical even if it's Torah. So if you go to, today everything's a little bit different because there's so many people in yeshivas, you've got to do something with them. 
So, but, but yeshiv is a valojin. A valojin, it was considered to be embarrassing to study for smicha. You know, it was, it, it, it was, it meant that you weren't really up to par. If you were up to par, you wouldn't even think of such a thing when you're studying for smicha. And, and uh, certainly, you didn't get smicha in the yeshiva. I mean, yeshiva is not a place where you got smicha. You want to get smicha, so you went to the Rosh Yeshiva, and the Rosh Yeshiva thought you were hopeless, so he said, okay, go get smicha. You went to the Rav of the city, but in the case of Rav Chai Velodjan, that was him. He was also, so he went to somebody else who was in the Rabbanut, in the city of Velodjan, and he tested you and gave you smicha. But smicha was something that was done outside of the walls of the yeshiva. What did they do in the yeshiva? They learned. That's what they did. They learned. Did they become Rabbonim? No. Did they become Dayonim? Also not. Did they become Mashkichai Kashrus? No. They didn't learn anything. They didn't learn anything practical. There were all those jokes, you know, people learned Yoridea, but they didn't even know what a chicken looked like. You know, they, they weren't, a, it was the, the innards of the chicken which are discussed in the Gemara. Guys in yeshiva, I mean, they didn't know anything about it. They happened to come from a farm, maybe it was. So here the Nefshachayim says something. He says, in the fourth shar, Perik Yud Bet, just one sentence, he says, Kiddushim amitim doraita amitchachim ayidei adam. The subject is Kiddush, Navulei. A novel idea. What's a novel idea? Mitchachim al adam, which are created by the student of Torah, the man, the person. Vein aroch ligodel noraot niflaot inyanam upulatam lemal. You can't even imagine how a terrestrial chiddush, chiddush affects the world of a Kodesh Baruch. He says, Shekol mila umila pratea mitchadeshet mikpi adam. Every word that man says that is a chidush. Chutshu b'richu nashikla umatela. A Kodesh Baruch who kisses it and crowns it. Which you have to admit is a pretty radical comment. And this chidush is not just a chidush, a novel idea, but it creates a new world. Because the Torah is the source of the world that is created. So the chidush from the Torah is the source of, of another new world that's created. They are the new heavens and the new earth. So I think that the Nefesh is in a different world than the, the Arachayim HaKadosh. The Arachayim HaKadosh says, diminishes the, the interest in Chidush. Chidush is the way we organize the material of Torah Shabbat within the context of Torah Shabbat. According to the Nefesh HaChayim, Chidush is new Torah. Something that was never seen before, heard before. And when the heavens, when they find out there's a new Torah being created on earth, and that new Torah is being created as Chidush, that creates great joy in heaven. And uh, and heaven crowns earth uh, with this uh, with this joyous occasion. So you have in the tradition of interpretation the problem of Sveikot, the problem of Torah Shvalpeh coming from Torah and the problem of Chidush, which is a, a very important topic here in the in the Nefesh So if you go back to the night of Shavuot. They say, like, what do you do on the night of Shavuot? So people who learn the Tikkun, they think, or they are avowing, averring, 
avowing, avowing, one of those words. They are claiming that it's all there. It's, it's all there. You know, the Torah Shemichtav is, is uh, the repository of Torah Shemichtav. So if I want to repeat for myself the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu received, so I start from Torah Shemichtav. That's what I do. But if I say, if I say the main enterprise of Talmud Torah is Chidush, and the path to Chidush is learning Gemara, because in Gemara, everybody knows that you could sometimes say something that's different, that's novel, that's interesting. That Chidush, that Chidush is something you don't want to miss out on on the night of Shavuot, because the night of Shavuot became the night of, of Talmud Torah. So even though there are these two, uh, these two kinds of traditions of learning on the night of Shavuot, I guess you have to make a decision. Everybody has to decision about whether they're in the world of the Tikkun or in the world of, of the Chidush. And therefore, I think that, you know, one thing I think yeah, is that if you have the opportunity to learn a little with a Chavruta instead of going to a Shir, you should take that. Not that I think Shiurim are bad, quite the contrary. I think it's wonderful that so many Shiurim are given and people go to the Shiurim. And, uh, and uh, enjoy the shiurim and uh, stay up all night and walk to the kotel and then you know it's all it's all like a like a deal like you get this whole but it, there's nothing like learning with the chavruta you know, it's like you know it's it's uh, a shear is something that somebody else polishes up and then gives you the polished version of whatever it is he wants to say he she wants to say. But when you learn the Chavruta, you have to polish it. Because it starts out, as everybody knows who learns the Chavruta, you know it starts out uh, kind of rough. What do the words mean? What's the idea? Where does it come from? Where does it go to? But in time, it gets more and more polished. And better and better. And that is it's not only Gemara. I mean, today you could, you could learn Tanakh that way. You could learn Mishnah that way. There are enough sfarim and enough sources that enable you, enable you to be mechadesh almost wherever you put your, wherever you put your head. Traditionally, the greatest chidushim that we, can, that we know of was said about the Gemara. But, uh, you know, maybe that will also change in time. Shabbat shalom. All the best.